listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is your Girls Gone Wild book club bonus Welcome. episode for the month of April, even though it's happening through May. Yeah. Better late than never. <laughs> As always, Girls Gone Wild podcast is sponsored by Kalo. Welcome to the book club. Everyone gather yep. around. Gather around. Gl- grab, grab your... Grab your wine. Yep. This month Please. we read the book Presence by Amy Cuddy. This is one that all of us kind of can relate to as far as our body language, but it really dives into the details of how you carry yourself and how you can bring your boldest self to all the challenges in your life. So just a quick summary. So everyone who maybe maybe you haven't decided to join the book club yet. So we're going to give you a little bit of a summary. Or maybe, maybe you finished, maybe you finished the book a while ago. ago. <laughs> So a little summary from Amy, the research I've been doing for years now joins a large body of inquiry into a quality I call presence. Presence stems from believing in and trusting yourself, your real honest feelings, values and abilities. That's important because if you don't trust yourself, how can others trust you? Whether we're talking in front of two people or 5000 interviewing for a job, negotiating for a raise or pitching a business idea to potential investors. Speaking up for ourselves or speaking up for someone else, we all face daunting moments that must be met with poise if we want to feel good about ourselves and make progress in our lives. Presence gives us the power to rise to these moments. So it's kind of more talking about like your presence, not like being present, Mm -hmm. which I also had to clarify for a couple of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she did a TED talk. uh, I don't know what year it was, but it was so wildly popular. um, Mm -hmm. And she really summarizes a lot of these concepts. But, you know, really, really started with Claire, do you want to talk about her story of when she had her accident? Yeah, so kind of her, the background of the author is that when she was in college, she actually went to CU Boulder, which is where I went and it's like, you know, 30 minutes up the road. She and her friends were driving back from Wyoming and they were trying to make it home for, you know, early Monday morning class and they were speeding down the highway and Wyoming is just a bunch of nothingness. It's just pitch black. And basically, um, she was, they were in a Jeep and the seats in the back were down and she was sleeping in the back of the Jeep and her friend... I think fell asleep at the wheel and um, rolled the Jeep and Amy was ejected from the vehicle and something basically just was, you know, thrown out of the car, landed in the middle of the highway with such force that her brain twisted inside of her skull, like, you know, separated from the inside of her skull and just, it was a really traumatic, horrible traumatic brain injury. She lost the ability to, really comprehend things even, you know, close to the way that she used to be able to do it. She describes it as, you know, basically like she tried to go back to class a couple, you know, months later. And when she first tried, she described it as like trying to read and write in a different language that just she couldn't comprehend things. So eventually she, several years later, I think she was able to graduate from college maybe four or five years after the accident. Was that right? Yeah. And uh, she went on to attend Princeton for psychology, psychiatry. I always get those two mixed up. Psych. Psychology. Mm-hmm. Psychology. But when she got there, she really felt like, oh my gosh, I do not belong here. You know, people are going to find out I had a brain injury. They're going to think they're going to, you know, they're going to kick me out. And she came to realize over the course of being a student and being a um, postdoc student and being a teacher and a professor that so many people have that feeling for one reason or another that like so many people are walking around with this feeling inside them of like, oh my gosh, I 
do not deserve to be here. I don't belong here. I do not belong here and people are going to find me out. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, she refers to that and, you know, that's sort of like referred to as imposter syndrome. Yeah. One of the reasons that I really wanted to read this book was that I think that so many people have felt that and I didn't really realize that there was like a name for it. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I've always just referred to that as like, in my mind, I will feel like an adult the day that I feel like, all right, I'm supposed to be here. You know, like, okay, this is, this is working. Right. <laughs> and, and I stopped feeling like, oh my God, how did I manage to talk my way into this? You know, someone's going to come knock on the door and be like, uh, you don't belong here. Exactly. <laughs> and be like, you're right. I don't. Yeah. How did you know? That's pretty much the story of my life through grad school. The entire time I was in grad, I mean, it's just, I feel like everyone is probably nodding their heads right now going, yep, mm -hmm. I totally felt that way. And it's just so interesting in her TED talk, she also talks about a student after she, after she had been teaching for so long, a, teach, a student came into her office and said, you know, she was really just struggling and her body language was very small. And the student said, I just don't belong here. In her TED Talk, Amy starts to cry because she was kind of like, I finally, you know, that was my story. And I realized I had overcome, I had become what I wanted. And I had been, you know, I, she talks about faking it till you become it, which we'll talk about in a second. But she's like, I had become what I had envisioned. And I was feeling like I finally belong there. And then the student walked in and said, you know, I don't feel like I belong here. And she was like, wow, I, it was just such a aha moment for her of her mm -hmm. own journey and how she can empower others and help others to feel strong and powerful. And mm -hmm. I love that we, I, as a side note, too, I feel like it's worth noting that we just read, or last month, sorry, let's see, March, we, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys, it's just, we tried so many times to record this, by the way, as a side note, to my side note, and sorry, it's late, but Shonda, <laughs> Shonda's book in March really talked so much, uh, The Year of Yes, if you haven't read it, it's amazing, it's a great book, and she talks a lot about uh, the power pose and how she used these concepts. And I feel like it, this was a really good offshoot of reading Shonda's book too, because Shonda uses a lot of these concepts in her book as well, which is so it's bizarre and kind of like it, you just a, a testament of like, we can never judge how someone's experiences experiences yeah. on the outside because I look at Shonda and I was like there's no way she ever has self-doubt like she's just this awesome woman that's right, like running like she's, she's like, at the top of the world yeah she's running like 10 million tv shows in Hollywood so anyway I just feel like this she's book met Oprah. she's met Oprah and this book really hones in on on what it is yeah. that, that like puts a name to it really dials it in and you know, talks to us about how we can employ this in our life. So she kind of goes on to address some different things, you know, how you can show up even when you're feeling that way and eventually trick yourself into the way that she kind of describes it is almost that event, you know, you have to just act as if that's not how you feel. And eventually you'll stop feeling that way. Right. So she calls it fake it till you become it. Yeah, she says, you know, it's beyond fake it till you make it. She's like, fake it until you become it. Even if, and I think that is what just how like a lot of people live. Mm -hmm. It's like they kind of go through and, you know, that's I think what she ended up experiencing was like she'd spent so much time just acting as if she was supposed to be there and as if she, you know, deserved it and as if she had earned it, which she had and she did and, you know, but she didn't feel that way. But she spent enough time acting that way that eventually her like brain kind of got out of her own way and was like, you know what? Actually, I do belong here. Yeah. 
Um, and so she kind of goes into saying, do our bodies change our minds? And do our minds change our behavior? And then our behavior changes our outcome. And that's kind of how it all was dialed in of yeah. do our bodies change our minds? Okay, yes. And then our minds change our behavior. And then our behavior change our, changes our outcome. So that's when she wanted to kind of say, hey, when you feel powerful, you expand your body. And when you expand your body, you feel powerful. So expanding your body language and carrying yourself in a more expansive way actually makes you feel more powerful. So it's not, I mean, this is where she goes into the science part too. And she talks about the power poses and how it... Yeah, um, and like doing different studies. Right. She goes really into detail of like it increases testosterone and then decreases cortisol for high power posers. So you guys, I mean, that's kind of the science in the book. But I think the takeaway here is really how you present yourself and to pay attention to that. Are you acting small? Are you doing um, gestures like fidgeting or playing with your hair? Or play? And I've noticed that too. Of You often, even in the psychology world, we do this a lot when we, I notice when we mirror each other. So do you mirror the other person that you're talking to in like a closed off body language? Or um, she played a, a snippet in her TED talk of someone giving a handshake and then the person behind them missed the handshake it was kind of like they're it was barack obama and some other dude and they were like i think it was the prime minister and they were walking shaking this guard's hand and then one of them didn't shake his hand and it was kind of like just what did that say about that person's body language where they just kind of closed off and ignored the the handshake so like these little things can give you that perception too not only from the you know the person that's doing the the behavior, but on the outside of what that means and how people are perceiving you, you know, whether it be in job interviews or conducting a meeting, if you're really kind of closed off, what does that say? And and what type of effect do you have on the group? Um, so how did, Joy, what, what is your personal opinion about power posing? So I, and I, I like this too, because uh, my personal opinion is I absolutely think there's something to it. Like, I, I mean, not only because of the science, but I think I truly believe that something physical happens and mentally happens when you stand in a stance that that is dominant, right? So you kind of like think of animals doing that too, like, like making yourself right, bigger. Yeah, like popping up your So chest and, I yeah. think I mentioned this in the past few podcast episodes, I think it was like maybe two or three ago that um, before... I this is what it was before I led my first staff meeting. So since I just got a promotion a couple months ago, I've really felt that imposter syndrome of like, oh, they're gonna find me out. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I was pretty nervous to lead the first staff meeting of this team because it's a very large team and they're all very smart. So I went in the bathroom before the meeting, like 10 minutes before the meeting and I just stood like superwoman and I puffed up my chest and I looked up to the sky and I was like, you can do this. And guess what? The meeting went fine. And I'm, I'm sure it wasn't just that, but it definitely gives you that boost. And I even think of like, you know, this sounds really stupid, but even like in workouts where are you being small? Or are you walking in with like pride and puffing up your chest? Like I belong here and I'm going to kill this workout as opposed to like walking in and, you know, our 530 a.m. class, we're often like shuffling our feet and like, oh, I don't want to be here. And it's like, right, well, like not making yeah. eye contact. <laughs> right. Right. Well, what too, What about like, you? It's not, it's not necessarily about like, you know, the power posing. And so first of all, I think it's kind of ridiculous, but I appreciate the fact that there is, you know, obviously some science behind this. It's less about, you know, the power pose making you able to do something and more 
that, you know, you were like, the meeting went well, not because, you know, that wasn't totally, it was like, no, the meeting went well because you totally qualified to run that meeting. But what the power pose does is it allows you to sort of get out of your own way and actually do the thing that you're able to do without second guessing yourself. And I think that's sort of like the whole take home of this entire book is like, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, I mean, sure, there are going to be, there are going to be times when you are thrown into a situation for which you are clearly not qualified. That is going to happen and you're going to have to kind of dig your way out. But for the vast majority of the time, when you feel that way, when you feel like you're an imposter, you're not, you know, people have interviewed you. They've looked at your resume. They've seen your career. You know, there are reasons that you're in the position that you are and you're really the only one who's trying to talk yourself out of the legitimacy of your status. But I think she's touching on something that I really like to just back to that. Do our minds change our, do our bodies change our minds, our minds change our behavior and then our behavior changes our outcomes. So I think if we are looking at something to dial into in a moment of stress, I really like that she also talks about instead of trying to calm down in a stress inducing situation, that you should get excited. It's really, (laughs) I hate using the phrase lean in, but it is leaning into that anxiety into the anxiety and the fear and then trying to turn it into excitement because haven't you ever been in a situation where you're trying to calm yourself down when you're nervous and it just makes it worse yeah yeah because your body's like no 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 yeah it's like something's wrong and i I also feel like at that point you have to focus so much on trying to calm down that it's useless exactly and and that it like in the end it's like you may you might as well have been wound up because now you're so distracted that you're not performing or, you know, doing, especially like for job interviews, which I've been doing like a job interview every week for like the last five months. Yeah. You know, I can get so worked up that if I'm trying to calm myself down, it's more distracting than if I were just to allow myself to be worked up. You know, there's some things that go along with that, like talking really fast or whatever that I need to rein in. It can just be so detrimental to try to go against that. And it's interesting, you know, when she talks about kind of going with that energy and, you know, she says like, instead of saying, calm down, calm down, take that energy and reframe it into saying like, I'm excited about this. Right. I'm going to go use this energy and do, you know, rather than trying to get rid of the energy, try to redirect it. Yes. Which I think is, is a really interesting way. I like, I had never really thought about that, but you know, somebody in our little Facebook group gave me some, gave me a tip for job interviews right before you get in, right before you go in, kind of like do some jumping jacks or rev yourself up a little bit because when you walk into that interview, it's going to be sort of a shock to the system and you're going to get sort of flooded with adrenaline. And so kind of warm up, like physically warm up so that your body is sort of more ready to receive that shot of adrenaline. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. And it kind of like goes along with this where it's sort of like, you know, don't spend too much energy trying to get rid of that energy. Just try to redirect it to think like, okay, this isn't anxiety. This is just excitement and excitement is good. I love that. I think that's something that I'm going to keep in my back pocket. That's a really huge takeaway. I become fairly nervous when I'm under pressure and to turn it into something that's excitement I can get on board with. That that feels good for me as opposed to I typically try to fight it and try to just go, just calm down, just take a breath. Like I would I would freaking try to take like calm forte drops or whatever it is. <laughs> like I would try to <laughs> right. like do everything I could to calm the F down. <laughs> well, and I think too, like, you know, she at the beginning talks about like going into um, meetings with investors. Yeah. And, you know, it's like one of the takeaways that I really – 
loved in that part, you know, especially going into job interviews was like, you know, those investors, you know, if you're pitching a, pitching a job or pitching a business to an investor or going into a job interview, whatever it is, they don't mind you being nervous Mm -hmm. because in their mind, it's like, okay, yeah, this is a big deal. You might, you should be a little bit nervous. Yeah. If you really care about this, then, you know, you shouldn't be that calm and collected. And, you know, I remember actually one of the investors, people that she did the study was saying, you know, if they come across as super calm and collected, I'm sitting there wondering, like, does this person really care? And I also thought that was, I mean, that has actually really helped me a lot in my job interviews because I'm thinking like, okay, it's okay for me to come across as being a little bit nervous because this is a big deal. Did I ever tell you about my interview with Kaiser of how nervous I was? I was so nervous that I... I get cotton mouth when I'm nervous, so I just can't even talk. I'm like, what, what, wait. And so I had to have someone go get me a glass of water because I forgot my water bottle in the car because Scott told me not to bring anything with me. He's like, don't don't bring a bunch of stuff. That's a weird thing to do. So I didn't like bring my water bottle. He's like, you don't want to walk in with like, you know, a huge bag. Yeah. So I left everything in the car. And then so I was so nervous because there was like a huge panel interview too where there was like, 10 or 11 people sitting in a circle around you and you're just like plopped in the middle oh my God. Oh. and I was so nervous at the beginning that I just I think I even said at one point I'm like I'm so sorry I'm really nervous and that was kind of like a diffuser for me but at the same yeah. time I was like how embarrassing and I just um had to take a few deep breaths like during some of my answers but then after a while I warmed up a little bit and I think they appreciated that too because I am human and it was very important to me and I wanted the job so bad so I think there's a little bit that you're right if you're going into something it shows that you're you care but at the same time you know to calm your mind and to right prepare you don't want yourself, to be like, a, like a wreck yeah I definitely would not want to be that much of a wreck next time no and I think that one. there's like definitely a, you know a middle ground there yeah. like it's not saying like right. oh yeah just go with that anxiety right. you have to <laughs> but, suffer through this but, but, but like it's it's a normal response yeah. to feel nervous and it's normal to you know kind of like feel a little bit of adrenaline. Yeah. I've always, you know, envied people that kind of seem that they're seem like they're just floating through life with that confidence or that they can Mm -hmm. walk into a room and speak in front of people. And I've gotten so much better with it. But I think that's just it does take practice. And I don't know if it's me just kind of getting more comfortable as I get older. But anyway, I, I think we can close out too with a few few questions and like a summary and we can we can both answer these. But yeah. Um, the following questions of like some good insight is what do you think about when you're performing at your best? The thing that comes to mind for me is I'm thinking positive thoughts. So I can't, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of positive things and positive mantras that go through my mind. Lately, I've been really getting into a kick of like saying my gratitude out loud to myself in the morning as I'm walking into the office. But that makes me like feel good. Snapchat. Yeah. And on Snapchat. Um <laughs> And so that's something that I and I think the weather has something to do with it too because right, uh, man, we were talking about that the, the long days make like, me so happy. May has got to be my favorite month because I feel like it's just so full of potential. It's so full of potential. It's mm-hmm. so great, and it's like I just don't want it to be over because then the summer's gonna fly by. So I'm kind of like relishing every single day right now because the days are getting longer, and I wake <laughs> and up every. It's so green. It's so green. And it's everything's not like balls hot yet. No, it's so perfect. And like I wake up every morning to go to the gym now, and it's like starting to get light out as I'm driving to the gym it's like this is so, so great huge. so yeah. so um so what do we what do you think about when you're performing at your best that's a good question I think that for me it's less of like 
conscious thoughts and more just about being able to be really focused, like kind of that like in the zone feeling. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that in my favorite like little mantra that I use, which I've talked about a hundred times is I can do hard things. Yes. And so that, because I feel like so many times when you have like little mantras that you tell yourself, it's like, okay, you can do this. This isn't that hard. Everything's fine. And those to me minimize what you're doing. Yeah. Like everything's fine. This isn't that bad. It's like, wait, this actually is hard. But I try to frame, you know, so like for me, that kind of mantra frames it as like, you know what, this is hard. And this is your, but like, you can totally do this just because it's hard doesn't mean it's beyond what you can do. Right. The The point of this exercise too is it's important to write this out and to picture this because it activates your nervous system to bring those powerful feelings into the present. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the, so the following is how do you, how do you walk when you're performing at your best? How do you talk when you're performing at your best? And I think the, those two, we don't really need to go into as far as answering. It's kind of obvious is that we're using yeah. like powerful walks, you're standing up straight, you're, you know, looking up and not looking at the ground. And how do you talk? Well, you're not stuttering, or you're not second guessing, or you're not apologizing. You're yeah. Not like, and you're not like, you know, you're, you're focused, you're not rambling. Right. That's my thing. I ramble. Oh, I ramble when I get nervous. Yeah, that's the one thing that I feel like I've gotten better at is I short and sweet. I answer things yeah. like just as they need to and just keep oh, I it gotta very... get better at job interviews. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I always think if they need more, they'll ask. Yeah. So I just, I just try to cut it off. I, I, I have the opposite. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I finish this question and they're going to be like, I don't know. I really think she could have gone into more detail. No, because I think if you're concise, they don't, they don't want you to ramble because they're yeah. look, you know, they're looking for a confident answer. And if you just mm-hmm. answer it, I always think, yeah, if they want more information, they'll ask. A lot of the times I think if you kind of get stuck in a cycle, what I will do is I'll, st- when I, once I start talking, I think, okay, end this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it's just like, like, just don't go off into too many tangents. Well, um, and like sometimes I'll start talking and then I'm like, oh my, like in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's, yeah. it's getting away from yep, me. Come back, yep. come back, come yeah, back. Yeah, I totally remember that. I totally remember <laughs> doing that. It's, it's a thing. And sometimes I would like literally float out of, of my body and be like, come back like, here. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you're like, where was I even where going? Where did that go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good times. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So this is really good practice. I think we all can learn some really good lessons from this book. I think her research is pretty thorough and mm-hmm. quite insightful. Oh, the other thing that I feel like is very important for us to, it's almost like we are primed against being or or, or having strong presence right now because we're all leaning over our devices. So mm-hmm. we're always kind of doing that hunched over you know, looking at these small phones and just so even yes, I love technology. Look, we're all going to be doing that. But if you can take a moment all the time, yeah, if you can take a moment to put your phone down and just like even do a heart opener like you would in yoga, not in public, maybe but like just even if you're at home, I mean, that might be cool. So that is something that I feel like we need to be pay attention to is like, these devices in our lives are actually making us be small and kind mm-hmm. of have that small body language. And then lastly, I will say, it makes me think of when we did our photo shoot of how Andrea was so <laughs> good about like making us be really big. Mm-hmm. And the tendency was for us was to like, look around and be like, what is it? Are, are people looking at us? And, yeah. and I wanted to do a very good job of being like, let's just Let's just own this. It's kind of like that whole mm-hmm. dance, like no one's watching. Like I, totally. I have a couple of friends who can do that, and I'm like, I envy them, and I, I think I can yeah. get to that point at some point. But it's it's such a cool feeling because truly, you know, that's a bold presence. 
And I think it's interesting too. It's like one of the things I really liked about this book is I feel like she really described and almost quantified something that you know it when you see it. And yet it's so hard to describe. Yep. And I feel like this book really, you know, did a good job of nailing that down. All right. Well, that's well, it. So that's this month's slash last month's book, Amy Cooney's <laughs> Presence. And we are currently reading Misty Copeland's book. And then we will, um, let's see, where are we at? End of this month, we'll do, I promise, we'll try to be more punctual yes. with this bonus episode. But thank you to our book club listeners. You can do the Audible trial if you haven't jumped on the Audible train. It's audibletrial.com forward slash girls gone wad podcast. You can get a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial audibletrial.com forward slash girls gone wild podcast and join the book club and you can get this bonus episode and know what we're talking about when you join the book club <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're just listening to us talk about Which a random book it was fine too <laughs> all right we'll see you on the flip side bye, bye book club people <laughs>